Friendship's Girlfriend Share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? All right, welcome to Girlfriend. It's Patty Lynn Wyatt and the Girlfriends. And we are here to talk about uh, falling into fall dysfunctions. Uh, We talked last week about falling into fall dysfunctions of Thanksgiving. And now we just want to talk about how we improve our relationships with our children by understanding their temperaments and style. And as a parent, we can feel disconnected from our kids, especially as they are growing up. And they're as they're growing into their own little human beings, we might not be happy about that and necessarily agree with some of their decisions and choices and goals. So what happens when we try to control everything and yet they want their freedom? Uh, we're, we're going to talk today about how the bottom line is that it starts with you. You have to know how to build the bridge as a, a, a parent rather than creating a barrier and severing that relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes it helps to remember, Patty, just how fast time goes. And so I heard of an illustration years ago by Reggie Joyner, and he talked about creating um, jars in your home that have the number of marbles in it that represent the number of weeks that your child has with you. So for example, when they're first born, you have 936 weeks before they graduate from high school. And every week that thereafter, um, those marbles just keep disappearing. So when they're one years old, they have 884 weeks. And by the time they graduate from high school, there's no more weeks left. And so what I would do is I created three jars in my home and put the number of marbles that represent the number of weeks that the boys had in the house until they were 18. So each week you would take out a marble. And um, I have to tell you, that is a very... Uh, you know, stark reminder of how fast time was fleeting. And so what it did for us as a family is encouraged me to be more intentional on the weekends rather than thinking, oh, I just want to lay around and take time off. No, that's an opportunity to think about, okay, how are we going to pour into the boys? What can we do to be more intentional, to create a deeper connection, to have more fun, to have a better relationship, and uh, to make some plan for activities? Because if you didn't plan some fun things for the boys, it wasn't going to happen. So uh, week by week, I would take a marble out. When it got down to the last child, um, I actually, I was so depressed, I, I put the jar away. <laughs> yes, that, that is painful. And I, and I know in our season right now, we, we get it. When you're in it, you know, we've all heard that saying, the, the days are long, but the years are short. Yeah. Like, and I, it was Billy Graham that, you know, well, he's quoting scripture, but just that was the one thing he said. I didn't realize how fast time would go by 
um, with just your children and especially for him because he he traveled so much. So we how do we appreciate our kids for who they are when we have such a short time with them? And just a quick reminder, we have that assessment test on the Facebook page um, or you can DM us on Facebook. Uh, we can send it to you. But a quick summary of the coffee styles, because we want to dive in to um, using that time wisely by being smart with how we communicate with them and their different styles. But the espresso likes to be in charge. They're the ones that want to compete. They want to achieve. They want to move forward. They literally are rhinos just blasting ahead, running 50 miles an hour with a visibility of 30 feet, right? The <laughs> mochas, <laughs> the mochas, uh, they just want to be liked. Like if they come into a room, it's like me, like me, like me. Listen to me. I'm entertaining. Don't you love me? And the chais, they, they want that stability. They do not like confrontation. They will avoid conflict at all costs. Uh, they also, they like the details because they want to figure out how they're going to do their daily, right? And then the lattes are way more detailed, way more organized, highly analytical, and they're thinkers. They're observers. They're watching everything. They're processed. They're usually the more brilliant ones, even <laughs> though the espressos think that they're brilliant. They need those lattes in their <laughs> life to make them brilliant. Uh, but you will know if your child is a latte, they will lean into perfection. So if they're coloring, if they're putting Legos together, uh, I've even seen kids wipe out their Legos because it didn't look like Johnny's that they were, you know, he just built an incredible airplane and, um, you know, my 50 story ship doesn't look like that airplane <laughs> over there. So I'll just wipe it out. So, so that's some of the things can recognize their styles, but we were just sitting here talking about how hard it is to recognize your own kids' styles. And, and other people might be able to breathe into you because we have a tendency to see them communicate on all those different levels until they get older. And then you go, okay, now it's so clear to me <laughs> of what their, their temperament was. So Krista, you had this funny story talking about um, going to the museums, obviously your youngest is a latte um, and tell us because it's important as a parent, if you're a mocha and you're dealing with a latte, fun isn't always the same definition, right? It's <laughs> no, I mean, and it's, it's time. It is time. They, they're, they want time with you. And it could be the most boring topic ever, or it's, it could be okay until they want to tell you every little detail and show you every detail and listen to this. No, listen to it again, mom. And I'm just, and it, this is across the board, but of course you're talking about the fun museum I went to in New York over a year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to um, make fun of it to myself so I could get myself through it because it wasn't just one hour through the natural <laughs> museum of history. It was all day and he loved it. I would take pictures of him, um, looking at and reading all the details, which I would never, as you all know, I skim and I miss details and I would take pictures of the, um, animals <laughs> and myself climbing out the window. I'm like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And so I would do that quite often. I'm like, 
I'll be back. I'll find you. Don't worry. <laughs> so, no. I, I to somebody. <laughs> well, but he has been um, such a blessing too, because he's taught me so much. And he really is the one that taught me to be a better parent. And so thankfully at the age of like five, I learned quickly that my um, high pitch voice, which I credit to my mom, <laughs> my mother had a lovely tone that I was taking that on myself, which I hated as a child. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I had to ask forgiveness, um, of my other boys who had to live through that, like, you know, probably 10 years before Matthew <laughs> kind of came along and started realizing that didn't work with him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like it either. And so he helped me learn quickly to control my emotions, to speak clearly, to wait, you know, so often we are so quick to react, you know, and I think of, it reminds me of when my oldest got into high school and I'm sure a lot of you've had this. Well, everyone's doing it. You know, everyone's going to go to, we're all renting a hotel before um, prom. And, you know, I'm like, um, you know, and, and, you know, I learned that you don't quickly respond to that. You ask questions to get more information because typically, you know, for a fact, that is not true. And, but if you say, no, you know, that's not true. That just gets them more defensive, you know? And you're like, Oh, okay. Cause you're in the back of your head. You're like, absolutely not. And, um, but it just creates a fight and it, it makes them rebellious. And so asking questions and letting it kind of play out itself mm-hmm. typically works the best, mm-hmm. you know? So Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I learned from uh, other other moms who have gone ahead of me um, to remain poker face, which is very difficult when they would tell you something. I'd be like, <laughs> no, just, oh, they want to sell you drugs. Huh? OK. OK. Oh, you want to fly to Vegas for the weekend because everyone's going. Oh, OK. Tell me more about that. Hmm. Yeah, that's really, really hard because inside you're screaming. There's no way you're doing that. But you're just very calm and yes, very poker face. Huh? OK. Tell me more. Yes. <laughs> your boys also like um for the graduation they come back from a little trip that they thought was going to be so great it was it like with Preston going oh that really wasn't as much fun as I thought it was going to be <laughs> yes yeah sometimes they would they, they tell you about some adventure they're all going to take or we're all going to cram like eight of us into a hotel room I'm like I'm thinking to myself that sounds like a nightmare but oh okay that sounds good so so then after he would come back he would say well that really wasn't that much fun I mean eight guys he goes you know in a room and one bathroom. And he says, we have no money. We ran out of money the first day. We've eaten like bean burritos three days in a row. Really not that much fun. <laughs> yeah. And and that's it. It's significant to let your kids have those choices. So they will fail, fail or they don't like it. Um, and I didn't word that right. Like let them have the choices so they will fail. <laughs> but Rather than you, like you said, Christette, when you're just continuously telling them no, it's like step back, um, hear what they have to say. And this goes back to your temperament. So if you're a latte and your mocha is planning the Vegas trip with 20 people in a room with one bathroom and you know that, okay, are they going to get hurt or, you know, what are all the, the problems that could take place? If it's just simply because you're worrying and that's not a smart choice because that's going they're going to be miserable, let them go. 
let them be miserable. Let them figure that out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes we, we want to protect them so much. And so to be aware of that, that if you do have the same temperament uh, as your child, uh, for, for an example, my, my firstborn being an espresso, we rarely had any conflict. Like, I really don't remember ever being in a disagreement because you're thinking the same way. Mm. But then if you have a child that you're having continuous conflict with, that might be the one you need to step back and go, all right, we must be opposite of each other here. And what do I need to do to maybe reframe my brain? Um, an example we were talking about earlier with, uh, going to the library because I'm an espresso, I'm also, you know, just, I like competition. So when they were little, it would be every week we would go to the library and you read so many books. And if you read them all, you would get these little prizes you could pick out of the bag. And, uh, <laughs> that was like, how could you not? love this. Oh my word. Not only do you get to read, but you get a prize afterwards. And, and so, you know, actually all my kids love to read. And, but if I would have had a child who didn't like to read, that would have been miserable for them. Mm -hmm. So some people could go, Oh, and you got three readers out of that. Right. So your love was contagious. Your love for reading was contagious. And there you go. And, and they're all somewhat competitive too. So I guess that love too. <laughs> yeah. But you, yeah, you have to figure that, that out. So look at those children that you're disagreeing with more and then figure out a way to recognize their strengths rather than putting it down because it doesn't fit into what you value and how, how you roll. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's good. Yes, to, number one. What's that, Krista? Oh, I was just going to interject. Is it OK? Yeah. Thought. Um, it just reminds me, Dan and I have also noticed how because uh, him and I can be opposites in some ways where Nathan can be a lot like me and he can drive me absolutely crazy. And so but Dan enjoys Nathan because he reminds him of me, where mm -hmm. Andrew is a bar. Oh, this is a lot like Dan. Mm. And he can really get under Dan's skin. And yet Andrew and I can communicate better and relate better because he reminds me of his dad. And, you know, so it's so interesting how knowing their levels of communication really does help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And that would be uh, tip number one is if you can sit down and talk about the styles and you have to be careful because often your kids, when they're younger, they want to be just like dad or they want to be just like you. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're telling them, hey, we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum here, so you're going to annoy the heck out of me. Not so much. But if you go, this is my my core of, of a couple of things of this is a trait of how I operate and this is a trait of how you operate. So. Together, there might be some conflict. We, we need to always move forward and figure out how we can partner together, how we can be more productive, how we can do things that'll be more effective. And so you have to be able to communicate with me. Uh, and I want to say even my oldest son, I remember taking him shopping, thinking this is fun, right? We'll all go to the mall. 
And the poor guy, he was in pain. It's like, can I just get a pretzel and sit here? You know, where if we had been talking about our styles, he could say, mom, this is not in my trait box at all. Like there's no fun in this whatsoever. And so then it's like, okay, if we have to go shopping, not that we have to, you know, acclimate to our kids every second of the day, but if we have to go shopping, then afterwards we're going to the science fair or we're going to, you know, do Legos at the end, you know, like make it where both of your styles are enjoying it to where they see, yes, you know, this, now we're talking fun here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, something else I, I learned, uh, you know, it's funny how you reflect back now 20 years and you realize, oh, yeah, I could have done that better. Um, I would want to sit down and have like a face to face conversation with them, like, let's talk this out. Oh, big mistake. No, the best time would be if we're out in the backyard shooting baskets, mm -hmm. uh, if we're in the car side by side, bring up something. Uh, if we uh, maybe we're playing a video game while well, they're playing the game and I'm sitting in there with them, bring up things then in a very casual way and not this like confrontation thing, never effective with them. Yeah. And and that is such a good point, Cherry, because, and, and that would be another tip. Think of how you're going to give advice and the timing in a, in a non-conflicting time, not when they're pouring their heart out to you, where mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm going to tell you what to do in this situation. It, I don't know. I just heard from a friend the other day and, and I, I love this acronym and it's LEAP, L-E-A-P, so we're leaping basically with our kids. And the first one, the L is listen. And we know how powerful that is, right? Just mm -hmm. listen to them. And like you said, Krista, listen to understand. Listen to truly put yourself in their shoes. Mm -hmm. And then the A or the E, I have to learn how to spell. The E is be empathetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're, you know, because we don't want to raise a bunch, right? Um, but go, wow, that, that must've hurt when they said that, or wow, what, what did you think next? You know, empathy goes a long ways, right? Mm -hmm. And then affirm or acknowledge. Mm -hmm. And that goes back into acknowledging even their strengths, acknowledge what they did really well in that situation, acknowledge how they were able to move out of that situation. So let them know, well, what, from what I see, you did a really good job with, blah, blah, blah. Instead of as parents, we like to look at their weaknesses. You know, when they come home and say they got a, a D, we're like, why didn't you get an A? You know, instead of looking at all the great things they did over here when they got their A. So acknowledge what they're doing well, or just acknowledge their pain, whatever, whatever it is there. And then the P is partner with them. Mm -hmm. And that is giving them, letting them do, have their choices. So, okay, well, what would you do differently? Or if, if that came about tomorrow, how do you think you would react? And get them to think in the future rather than now you've listened, you were empathetic, you acknowledge their pain. Like, don't keep them there in the pit. Pull them out and go, what's this? But you might get halfway through that acronym. And just like you said, Sherry, this isn't the time. 
to be able to get that vibe, I might have to go, the partner one might be when we're out playing basketball. Uh, it might be in a more non-conflicting time, not when they're crying because of X, Y, Z. What comes to my mind too, is a couple things too, is, um, is having a balance for understanding your kids too, because there's times when we want to, um, we need to, uh, protect them or defend them, you know, be their advocate. Mm. And there's times where we need to recognize that they were wrong. Like they, you know, don't think, Oh, my child would never do that. You know? And, um, so there's a really good balance there. And I, I you know, I have lots of, you know, uh, stories when it comes to that, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, do you have one off the tip of your tongue that just you're, you're dying to share? I remember I was at Costco grocery shopping and I got a call from the middle school principal. Um, we have your son. I, and I won't name which one, but, <laughs> and um, <laughs> you could probably guess, uh, here in the office, uh, we need you to come down right away. I literally had to ask Costco, can you put my card in the refrigerator? Oh, I have to be back. And so, um, so he, he was at fault at that one. And we listened. Um, he was very remorseful. And, but so what it did was it clicked uh, all times that he was in trouble with his fault. He did make some poor choices and, um, but they weren't all his fault because he also had a huge heart. Like he was so, always so remorseful. The mm -hmm. superintendent would call and say, yeah, your son's the only one balling his head off, you know? And oh, so I'm so sorry I did that because he was a follower. And so we knew that and we recognized that, but there was a time where he got in trouble and you just, um, and this is a good example of knowing your, your kids and having balance because he was accused of bullying a new little kid in the school. Mm -hmm. And, um, the little boy blamed him for throwing his lunchbox up on the lockers. And I'm like, okay, that's not what he's characterized by. He, he has such compassion for people now following and asking, you know, Hey, you want to smoke? Well, yeah, that, that would be him. And, um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let me try that. So I, you know, so he came home and we listened to his story and I'm like, gosh, it just, this is not him, you know, but I said, but this little boy has felt that you have hurt his feelings. So we're going to move forward in that. I mean, my son got suspended for this. Okay. Wow. And it was horrific because, but I'm like, I believe him, but yet the little boy, you know, had some claims and we talked to the parents. I said, well, let's go over and we're going to apologize. And so we really pushed that over the weekend with this other family. And by Monday morning, so this happened, you know, he was suspended Friday communicating. So Monday morning, uh, before school, the father called and said, we owe you a really big apology. Our um, son said that he didn't, your son did not throw that up. He got panicked and he threw it up and he was afraid he'd get in trouble. So he blamed your son. And, um, you know, and I said, thank you so much for having the guts and, you know, being able to wow. call and, and be humbled enough to say that because, I just didn't think that was my son, you know, but anything's possible. Uh, yeah. But, you know, and my son's reaction is exactly why I knew he didn't do it. He's like, 
I, that's okay. It's okay, mom. I get it. I know he struggles. I've seen other kids tease him. And I said, well, he says, I'm going to make sure that I help stick up for this little boy at school and that he doesn't get bullied anymore. I mean, he wasn't even mad or upset. I mean, at all. It just, wow. That's a good balance of knowing your kids, knowing that, okay, I'm going to fight for them, but we're still going to do what's right. Yeah. And not be mad at the other person. Um, be a teaching moment. Yeah. That that's a great story because yeah, we do live in a in a culture right now where our kid is always right. And I I I feel for the the teachers. Yeah. <laughs> because guess what? You know, I I sometimes feel like I'm the opposite. I'm pretty harsh with with my kids. It's it's you're continuously wanting them to, you know, do the right thing and when they Come home with those stories. You're like, what did you do? What part did you play in it? Right. Maybe because I was the one that was always in the principal's <laughs> office getting in trouble. So <laughs> I know there's another side of that story, right? Yeah, I you know, just, they're guilty until proven innocent. Like I'm sure I can remember the years, like that phone would go off and I would see the school name, like, oh, there's a school again. Oh, there's a school. Oh, it's a school. I didn't want to answer the phone. Oh, it's yeah. a school calling. And you knew that there was something that one of the boys had done. I mean, years of that. Even as we're talking about it, I kind of feel like the angst just like coming back up again because I'm remembering all the phone calls, all the conferences, all the emails, all the detentions, all the suspensions, all the demerits. I mean, it's just coming back. <laughs> well, you know, that's also because um, I had a mentoring mom when I was young, a young mom, and she gave me such great advice. Pray that your children get caught because the best yeah. time to teach them and is when they're in your home. Because once they're out of your home, you don't have that opportunity. And, and me, oh, I guess it doesn't matter. Me, <laughs> <laughs> he, he was the one that probably got in trouble the most. He would say, oh, I wish you'd stop praying. <laughs> my, my kids have said that too, where, it, yeah, I pray all the time. I, God reveal it to me because I, I want to be able to, you know, guide and direct. Although one time... Um, in junior high, one of my daughters got, uh, I, I got called in because of her attire, you know, when they're not dressed appropriately. And what was funny about that is I was with my other daughter and I just worked out and I had on not appropriate shorts to, to be wearing. And I thought I could just slide in and go get out here, you know, run to the car, run to the car. And instead they made me come in to get her. And I had... Like, <laughs> total inappropriate shorts with a total inappropriate shirt with socks and, like, flip-flops on. My hair was just, you know. And anyway, it was hysterical because when I went to go into the office to get her, the, the women there looked me up and down. And I know they just oh, were yeah. so empathetic of my daughter going, well, no wonder you're wearing hoochie mama shorts. That's Look right. at how your mother dresses. Look at your hoochie mama. Yeah, that's right. And hoochie mama, I was completely red. My, I had hot pink shorts on and my face matched it. And my daughter did too. And she saw me, her eyes were just like, oh no. <laughs> All right. We just have two minutes before we end the show. We just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to us. And it's such an honor to have you take time out of your day to uh, hear what we have to say and what tips we have. So we just want to 
claim these tips one more time. And I want to go back to think of how you give advice, uh, the timing of that. So in other words, if you're telling a latte to stop worrying, that might get complicated because that's just a part of their DNA. So you have to figure out different ways, creative ways to, to have that conversation. If you're telling an espresso, stop being so bossy. Like, do not boss your friends around. That's that they, they, they don't lean into that. You have to be careful because th that is going to be how they live life. So we need to be gentle in how we have those conversations. Try if you say, you know, quit, stop being so practical or stop asking me so many questions to figure out the day. Uh, be creative. Watch that. And a mocha, the biggest one there is you, you find yourself telling mocha children, stop talking, honey. Other people are talking. Uh, we Be careful. So tip one, think of how you give advice. Tip two, recognize their strengths. Uh, be their advocate. Uh, have fun together. And we didn't even get into that one. So we will have to do that another time because we have uh, literally hours of information on how to have fun together. It's important to understand and be aware of the different personality styles. And with that, we are in it together. Remember, uh, try to move forward with your children by knowing their assessment. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com that's s-c-o-t-t at t-o-g-i-n-e-t r-a-d-i-o dot com
morning, Girlfriend Share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Girlfriended. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt and the Girlfriends. And today, we have a fabulous guest. Uh, we're talking with Dark, Dr. Jared Moore. He serves as a pastor as well as co-host of the Pop Culture Podcast. And we're having him on the show today because he just co-authored a book, The Pop Culture Parent, Helping Kids Engage Their World for Christ. So welcome, Jared. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, Jared. Good morning. Good morning, Jared. Good morning. And Jared, um, I'm fascinated by this topic, obviously, because I have children and we the girlfriends, we all have three kids here. So uh, we've been spending the last 30 minutes talking about all things, uh, how we raise them. What What's your story here? What brought you to not only write this book, but also have this podcast of how are we parenting? How are we in the 21st century trying to figure this out and still raise our kids that want to love Jesus? Um, amen. Amen. Uh, it, um, we live in a pop culture world. That's kind of the premise of the book. Um, pop culture is there. We breathe. It, it's everywhere. And if your children aren't participating, participating in it, your friend, their friends are. And so we're, we're trying to say in this book that we need to prepare our children to live in this world instead of trying. If we, if we totally abstain from popular culture, we're preparing them to live in a world that doesn't exist. And if we totally dive into popular culture, we're, we're going to – they're going to end up being um, both both in the world but also of the world. And so we're, we're trying to kind of present a middle ground um, where you approach popular culture uh, recognizing God's fingerprints, the beauty that is there. God's image bearers create beautiful works. Um, even if they're unbelievers, um, something that is intrinsically good in a piece of popular culture is true because God made it true. And so we can celebrate that. But then there's also idols that are present. You know, it's grace mixed idolatry. And so we want to train our children to also be able to recognize those idols and, and also to show them how what the idols promise that Jesus delivers. Jesus is better. Um, you know, idols they never live up to their promises, um, but Jesus always keeps his. Yeah. And, you, you know, it's it's interesting, Jared, when you say that, because I, I immediately think of, and not to put you on the spot here, but I think of Harry Potter. When, when my children were younger, my son was in fourth grade, and he came home with Harry Potter, you know, a book like that thick at the time. <laughs> And he plopped it down on the kitchen counter and he was already in it. He was fascinated by it. He was telling me every little detail of this book. And all I had heard was, okay, you're going to, you know, be a Satan worshiper if you read this. (laughs) So, you know, it was like I was in this friend group of this is horrible, you know. And so I started reading it 
And, and that's the way I was parenting as if they're going to do something, I'm going to maybe do it along with them. It was, he was already in it. And I find it fascinating because now, you know, I have a youth pastor at church. That's all things Harry Potter, you know, goes to Universal Studio, brings a wand, you know, everything that like it's not even an, yeah. an issue, but reading it with him and talking that, you know, the book, um, going through some of the things that people were so concerned about. So the reason why I said, I don't mean to put you on the spot because I really don't know your philosophy on the Harry Potter. And so you might go, Oh no, he is going to hell. I just want you to know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, about 10 years ago, I wrote, I wrote a book on Harry Potter, um, arguing that you can enjoy God through it. So, um, mm, okay. I mean, they, that, that uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Harry Potter, Rowling, uh, she just rips off the gospel. I mean, Harry dies to defeat the evil one to save his people. And, um, mm. you know, and so she just, you know, she, uh, in a beautiful fictional way. Now, I mean, they're, you know, they're cautious things, right? And they got some things wrong in the movies um, that were more detrimental. Um, like some of the, um, there's kind of some veiled nudity, nudity in, uh, I believe, the final Deathly Hallows, or yeah. maybe the the one before and uh that just needless you know um but again grace mix idolatry what what this fictional story tells we can celebrate how love conquers evil i mean we've we've christians own that story we live that story i mean we've got the yeah. it's a, and it's not just that but there's all kinds of most uh, <laughs> most forms of popular culture that are good storytellers are ripping off the gospel in some form or fashion Mm. Well, yeah, that's a good idea. Superhero. I hear that your book, is, but but where? I mean, where does a parent start with this? I mean, it, it kind of is overwhelming, actually. Yeah. Sure, sure. D depending on the age of your children, when they're young, you can get away with kind of your nostalgia things, movies that you enjoyed when you were a child. You can get away with showing them those. You're already familiar with them. You already know them. You know kind of the pitfalls that are there. Um, and so you can walk with them through the popular culture that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. But as they get older, though, they're going to start wanting to break away a little bit. And then that's when you've got to get down and say, OK, it's not about primarily what I enjoy, but what my child enjoys. And how do I train him or her to be an ambassador for Christ as I walk through this popular culture with them? You know, my children, uh, my two oldest love Fortnite. And uh, that's a video game, you know, and at the end of our book here, we, we talk about how to engage um, your children in that video game, with that video game. And so even though I don't like it, I'm going to play it with them. Yeah. And I'm not going to whine about it. I'm not going to act like it's the worst thing ever. But they enjoy it. I love them. Therefore, I'm going to participate in this and get them to think, help them to think through um, distinctively in a Christian view of the world. Um, as they participate in this video game or as they and the thing is like this training ground that we've got our children in um, with popular culture if you can train them to think biblically or to think like you know God's thoughts after him concerning popular culture they will when they get older they'll be able to think about politics they'll be able to think about marriage they'll be able to think literally every other thing in life they'll be able to rightly interact and think biblically about because we have taken the time as parents to disciple them in this popular culture reality that we live in.
Yeah. And I think that is so important, Jared. And in, even going back to Harry Potter, um, you know, being facetious of, okay, we read it, we're going to hell. Uh, because we uh, often as Christians, you, you get caught up in that, like, okay, we're going to critique Starbucks because of a red cup, or we're going to, and, and then that's what's creating this, oh, you guys are a bunch of bigots, oh, you guys are fanatics. But when we're in it with them, like you playing the video game with your children, that's when you can you can use everything as these teachable moments of, hey, what are your thoughts on this? You know, what, not that everything has to be, you know, what does the Bible say? But you're right. just... <laughs> giving them by living it. That's your legacy of, you know, Jesus just comes out your pores in your conversation. So I, I, I really appreciate um, what you're saying with that. Cause we have a tendency because we operate out of fear. Sometimes I know I have as a, as a mom, you know, I remember Pokemon was a big deal and that was, you know, same thing. I had moms that weren't going to McDonald's to get the Pokemon because it was evil rather than looking and, and, diving deeper into why so we can teach them mm-hmm. rather than just say, no, we don't, we don't touch that. And then they're not learning how to think critically as well as make their choices. So like you said, then they can make those choices politically. And as they go into college, they're not just total freedom because right. I've never had freedom my entire childhood. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that you were going to say something. Oh, I was just going to ask if you would define pop culture for, excuse me, for our audience so that we're really clear about, I think some might be kind of concerned, what what does that all include? Well, I would say culture that's popular. Um, I know that's overly simplistic, but mm. any form that is, any, anything that is made by an image bearer um, that gains popularity, mm. um, you know, that, that's going to be on our children's radar and... Um, and so, I, I mean, music, TV, books, I think even politics is a form of popular culture, sports. Um, I mean, just pretty much the air that we breathe. And most of it is on screens now or in earbuds. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think we have a tendency to um, accept things nowadays and not recognize that it does fall in that category of concern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Jared. So, uh, in thinking about that, I mean, <laughs> as a mom, okay, my boys, I have three boys, and they're all adults now. But I can remember hearing music or watching movies, and my first, you know, knee-jerk reaction is, "Shut it off. We're not listening to that. Turn off the movie. We're not watching that. We're not watching that show. No, no, no. That's nope, nope, nope. No discussion." But what I've heard some people say, um, they're probably just wiser, more mature, more spiritual than I am. Um, <laughs> they have said, well, what you should do is you should watch that movie or show together. And then when it goes to the bedroom scene, et cetera, then you're going to, I don't know, pause the movie or afterwards, talk about that as a family and um, and talk through why that's on a biblical view. Um, so I'm wondering, as you, you know, in that sort of realm, like how do you navigate some very specific things like that? Because Really, as a mom, I'm like, no, just shut it off, and it will go away. Sure, sure. Um, with, with sexuality, um, I think the Bible is clear that concerning, you know, seeing another um, person in a sexual situation is only supposed to be our spouse. Mm-hmm. And so um, what's going on, on on a screen concerning sexuality, we need to make sure that we're not um, – 
putting temptation uh, in front of our children or ourselves, it, it's it's a distinct category because hearing a cuss word isn't isn't inherently sinful. But I do believe that seeing someone else in a sexual um, situation that is not our spouse is inherently sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about loving God and our neighbor, and you can't love God and your neighbor by viewing someone who other other than your spouse in, in a sexually compromised um, situation. And so I would avoid that. Um, I think it is possible to skip those scenes, um, but I mean— from what I hear about like Game of Thrones, you're going to be just fast forwarding the whole thing. <laughs> so, so I, I haven't watched it. We, well, we, I tried to like, you hear all this, it's the number one show in the world. So I tried to watch the first episode and I mean, just can't do it. And so I would recommend, I would recommend Christians not do it. Um, but concerning like you think of like the office, the TV show, there are sexual situations in that that are not, actual nudity and things like that but there are there is innuendo and there are you know there's obviously things that are um sinful and um so things like that um i think that you can help train your children um to where we're not laughing about sin joking about sin um but while also still being able to laugh Um, but not laugh at someone else committing sin, if that makes sense. Um, And so I think that is, um, I think that is wise um, as far as participating with your children, as long as you're not tempting them and as long as you're not um, violating your own conscience, um, I think you can participate with, with them. And almost, I mean, I grew up watching, you know, Pop culture was coming on the scene. I'm almost 40. So when pop culture was coming on the scene, the, these ratings, you had PG and R. And um, we were I was watching R-rated movies at like 9 or 10 in a, in a fundamentalist home. Uh, and, which is, and so at church, we were burning our secular music CDs. And then at home, we were watching R-rated movies. And my dad would actually leave the room uh, when a cuss word was said. And so it, I just had all these competing competing things in my life. And so when I became a teenager and I was burning my secular music at church, um, they told me I couldn't watch um, – or they told me I could watch PG-13 movies, but I could not watch R-rated movies. And I was like, this music that I'm burning, um, the PG-13 movies worse than it. And so it was just an inconsistency. And so as I was trying to think through how to um, – how just as a teenager, how to engage popular culture in a, in a way that glorifies God – um, I landed on kind of how Paul um, in Acts 17 is at the Areopagus, and he's in Athens, and he's going around. He's observing the culture that's around him, and yet he he recognizes where um, where they they've got an idol to an unknown god, and so then he goes and he preaches at the Areopagus. He says, "I want to preach to you, you know, the the god that you worship in ignorance," and and then he he actually quotes. Um, a pagan poet who actually makes a statement about Zeus, and Paul says, um, you know, in, in him we move and have our being. And Paul actually takes that and applies it to Yahweh. And uh, it's interesting. So he, he takes something that the culture says is true about a false god, and he actually steals it back and connects it back to the triune god that he worships and um, the, the true god. And so I, that's that's kind of where our approach comes from, or something similar, where we approach culture um, 
in a way where we are taking God's fingerprints that, you know, unbelievers have stolen and um, stealing them back and connecting them back as an act of worship to our triune God or taking every thought captive to obey Christ, if you will. Um, I know that that's probably a, I probably went on a rabbit trail there. Um, but I, to, to get back to your question, I don't think that we should put things in front of our children that are going to harm their consciences. We need to be aware of their consciences. Um, like my oldest son has a very sensitive conscience, and I don't want to um, chip away at that. I think the world's going to chip away at it. You know, his his conscience is going to get softer. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there are things I'm not going to make him watch um, that we we all may watch for whatever reason, that it's, uh, you know, if there's a little bit of violence or if there's, um, you know, some scary things. I'm I'm just not going to force his conscience to submit to mine, if that makes sense. Uh, and so um, you have to know your children's conscience, but also, um, you know, you you don't have to watch. You don't. I don't think you have to watch R-rated movies with your kid if you don't want to. Um, yeah. To you know to. You you don't have to. So these these families that are saying these things. I don't know that you have to – you don't have to participate in evil in order to train your children in righteousness. And yeah. so there there is a fine line there. Use discernment. I'm responsible for what I teach, and, and everyone else is responsible for what they believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, we, we can't – we're not going to stand before God one day and say, you know, Jared said this in his book, therefore I'm unaccountable. Yeah, um, I'm scared that, Jared. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so – but you know what I'm saying? Like we 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 have to be before God and have to say, okay, what is best for our family? And um, because there's no there's no clear, in my opinion, and we argue this in this book that there there is no clear thing as far as in Scripture that tells you exactly what you are able to watch or what you are not able to watch. I mean, if it's inherently sinful, I think pornography is inherently sinful. Like we can't justify watching that. Um, but you think of, for example, the Passion of the Christ. Um, that was an R-rated, um, violent, gory movie, and and uh, you know fundamentalists were going to the theaters in droves to watch that movie, and it was just it was just a fascinating thing because I was a kid or you know late teens when that came out, and just to to realize that okay people who have said literally. It's sin to watch R-rated movies. Are now going to the theater to watch one, um, yeah. and, and so it was just an interesting, interesting reality. And so we, I, so getting back to some of the, this question, I, I think parents, I don't, I think par- parents want to disciple their children biblically, but they also are surviving. Mm. Like we are so busy that we are, we are just surviving. Like, and so. It's much easier to tell our children, you cannot watch X, Y, or Z instead of me having to take the time and actually watch it with them. Mm. It's much easier to say, you can't watch PG-13 movies, you can't watch R-rated movies, than for me to actually individually look at specific movies and actually sit down and watch one with my child. And so we have a tendency to kind of to punt towards what is pragmatic and easiest instead of what is best mm-hmm. or what is the most God-glorifying way. And so I, I would challenge parents to ask, 
what is best for my child? How can I disciple my child? It's obvious we live in a pop culture world. How can I disciple my child to live in this world? When they get, when your child gets 18, gets out of your house, are they going to be watching some of these movies you've forbidden? Actually, yeah. they probably already watched some of them that you've forbidden because grandma and grandpa has let them come over to the house and, <laughs> and watch. Yeah, they're just watching it on their friend's phone during yeah. lunch. I mean, everything with yeah. smartphones right now, it's like they're they they're they're doing it. And and that's interesting, Jared. You you talk about in your book like the five questions that mm-hmm. parents should be asking. And and uh, one thing though, I want to add, I like how you said we can't just put this blanket oh you're sinning because you're doing this. And mm-hmm. and I think that's important. And that was my point even with the uh, you know, Harry Potter's book. You, you can't just go, oh, you, you're in the wrong. We breathe into each other that way. And it's one thing to lovingly ask the right questions. I'm, I'm so big on powerful questions. So we're not saying, okay, I'm going to judge you. You're a sinner. We're just saying, hey, this is something I thought about, I considered. How about you? So I would love to know what are some of those five important questions as parents that we can be asking? Sure, sure. So when we participate in popular culture with our children, and it, I mean it could be anything, right? I mean y'all y'all remember uh, when VeggieTales came out um, several years ago, and uh, VeggieTales was was fun. It was uh, it was uh, mostly biblical, but it left out the gospel. Mm-hmm. It left out the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, an emphasis on. Um, what he has done, and so it, it ended up being very moralistic, and um, as if children can accomplish what you know, be like David. And the whole point of the true David needing to come is that we can't be. Even David couldn't continue to be like David. You know, he needed the true David. He needed Jesus. And um, and so, even if you, even as parents, if we think that we are participating in safe pop culture with our children, it's still got a worldview. It's still got, you know, it's either God glorifying in every single facet or not. And so those points that are not, you may need to come as a parent and and help um, encourage children to think through this biblically. And so in order to do that, we the first question is, what is the story? And so this is about respecting image bearers. This is about, um, you know, acknowledging that this is whoever made this work of art or this popular culture is a valuable human being, a valuable image bearer. They have human dignity. We need to respect him or her and treat him or her the way that we would want to be treated. And so we need to get their story right. What are they saying? Right? What are they saying? The second thing is, is what is the moral and imaginary world? So, so what is the world that they have created? You know, is up, down, or is it much like the world that we are in? Um, is it like the Star Wars world? Is it like the uh, fantasy world of Harry Potter where there's good magic and evil magic? You know, what kind of world has been created? And um, and only that, then number three is what is good, true, and beautiful. And so you're celebrating the common grace, the fingerprints of God. Um, and so like the morality. So you can celebrate in Harry Potter um, the fact that they distinguish clear good and clear evil, at least in the book. And there, there are some muddy things that we can say, okay, that was wrong, Rawling. Um, but for the most part, that movie and that uh, book series gets good and evil right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so we can point that out. But then you can point out what is false and idolatrous in this world. Um, and so what is the idol? What is the, the show after, the, the storyteller? What is he or she after? What is he or she arguing? And then finally, how is Jesus the true answer to what the story hopes for? And so what the idol promises but cannot deliver, what does Jesus promise and yet always delivers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, if I thought on that level, Jared, I want to like take that and now memorize all those questions. <laughs> um, even down to the veggie tail thing. I, I honestly, I never thought of it that way that they, they kind of left out the gospel there. Cause you're so excited about your child to hear the stories and they're, they're mm-hmm. leaning in. Um, so the, fascinating to really start, you know, analyzing exactly the stories and having those, those conversations. So, well, if you were to give one tip to a parent out there, what, what would it be? Just watch or participate in pop culture with your children. Mm-hmm. See, if, if you're in the Word, if you're already attending church, you're going to naturally, as you participate in popular culture, you're going to be able to point things out. And if your children are in church, if they're studying the Bible, read Scripture or praying, they're going to recognize things. Like I was watching Shazam with my family, and my daughter, who was 10 at the time, said, I don't, I don't understand why Billy is better than the bad guy. Because, you know, there's supposed to be a better guy who's the chosen one who is this superior. He's much more moral and much more um, exemplary. You know, this uh, supposed to be really good. And and he flat out wasn't. He was just as bad as the evil guy. His (laughs) sins were different, but it was still sinful and wicked. And so just her pointing that out gave me an opportunity to say, aren't you thankful for Jesus? who is perfect. And through Christ, we receive his righteousness by faith. I mean, through uh, faith in him, we receive his righteousness. And so it's credited to us. It's just wonderful. Well, thank you, Jared, for being on the show today. Run to our Facebook page if you want some more tips and go out there and make a difference. Our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.